Liberty lockdown, piss down your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show You may have noticed that I've been doing about three episodes per week as of late, and that is because, one, you guys leave five-star reviews on iTunes, and two, we now have a sponsor for the show that makes me feel like I am actually delivering a product that is worth listening to, that there are people that are interested in marketing through this program. And you got to hear from him firsthand. I know a lot of you enjoyed that episode with Isaac Morehouse. He's the founder of The Daily Job Hunt. If you'd like to support him, I would highly recommend that you do. And particularly if you are looking to transition careers or start that side hustle that might you know, take you out of the corporate environment, might allow you to speak more freely, to be more free, to be more financially free and successful so that you can assist those that you love and that you live with or better your life in general. The Daily Job Hunt is the newsletter. Go to crash.co backslash daily to sign up. It is a free daily newsletter comes to your inbox every morning. It's only a couple minute read. It's really quick and easy, but it'll get you fired up. It'll give you the information you need to go out and find that dream job or start that dream business that you've dreamt of for so long. Go again to crash.co backslash daily to sign up. Support the people that support me because it allows me to give you what you need. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. Got another special guest with me today. You know him. You love him. Reed Coverdale of the Naturalist Capitalist is in the building. Welcome aboard, sir. Thanks for having me on, Clint. Been looking forward to this for a while. Absolutely, brother. Um, so I know that you went pretty hard in the paint over uh, over Trump. I, I remember when we I start, first started following you, you were, you were probably one of the more antagonistic uh, anarchist slash libertarian folks when it came to Trump. And, and I certainly was no fan. I'm, I'm just curious, after the first 100 days of Biden, do you, do you still have the same animus towards Trump that you once did? I, I mean, I'm not saying that Trump is, was good. I'm just saying comparatively, uh, I think the Biden first 100 days have been pretty horrifying. So I'm just curious if it has changed your perspective at all. Yeah, so I actually still stick to what I said uh, before the election, and I still have videos up on my channel where I said I wanted Trump to lose because Biden was worse and we would reawaken the uh, revolution maybe because there were a lot of people who were asleep under Trump and they were potential allies, I think. Draining the swamp, he's ending the wars, he's, he's fixing America, we can kind of just sit back and things were not getting better. They were getting worse, maybe not as fast as they are now, but they were definitely still degrading. Um, and then the people who were opposing Trump, they were of no help to us at all. It was like the me too, like pussy hat movement, you know, that didn't like the mean words he said on television or whatever. So the thought of losing them, of them going back to brunch or whatever, it was like, who cares? They're not, they're not here to help us anyway. I mean, they're, they're not allies. So if Biden becomes president, you know, maybe we'll see some people who actually believe in liberty and freedom come out of the woodwork again because they've kind of uh, erroneously felt that things are getting better. And I think that has happened. You know, like a lot of people who were kind of asleep a year ago 
or maybe not a year ago, but a year and a half ago, you know, they're, they're going nuts now. So um, I'm actually glad that Biden won because he's worse. I, I, I would never have voted for him. I do think Trump was a little bit better than he is, but uh, that was my reasoning. So, yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. And, and I, honestly, I kind of felt the same way uh, when the, when the um, vote counting debate was occurring, I was like, I was like, you know what? I kind of hope, I kind of hope that he just loses. Cause I think that I'm sick of seeing my conservative relatives accept their fate, believing in, you know, the, the QAnon type folks that were like, Oh no, 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 no. We're, we're fine. We're fine. Like all the pedophiles are getting rounded up folks. Like it's, it's all good. Trump is, Trump is on top of this. And, and I was just like, he is so clearly not on top of anything that you're concerned with. And you've been locked in your house for a fucking year. Uh, maybe you should stop having faith in the system, stop having faith in your orange God and start to actually do something about this because otherwise it's not going to change. And, and as you said, the, the left-leaning folks are not revolutionaries. They're not even interested in freedom for the most part. So if we're going to have a dissident population, I would certainly prefer it to be the right-wingers because they are the gun-toting, freedom-loving, Yahoo, Coors-drinking, boating, rafting, jet ski and motherfuckers you know so i was like yeah let's get some of these people on our side we might actually have a chance then so uh, i agree with you i i think that the the only downside of this is that i'm not sure i'm not sure we can survive the tyranny that that appears to be the biden administration are you as concerned as i am with the trajectory of his first hundred days so i look at it as acceleration that this pushes nullification or secession or decentralization talk. And I think it is. I mean, I think a lot of the states are talking about that. And, you know, they talked about it under Obama, but it was mostly just bullshit. I mean, just, right. just like the birth certificate stuff was, it was just all dumb. But now I think it actually has some bite to it. So again, this is in my mind kind of good. I mean, I, I mean, it, because under Trump, it's painkiller, maybe. I mean, a lot of people look at him as someone who pulled a lot of people out of the matrix. To me, I just look at it the exact opposite way. Like everyone who matters and cares about freedom or, you know, decentralization, small government, peace, whatever, like Trump actually slowed it down because it puts so many people to sleep that usually are just, you know, rapidly anti-state. Um, so only like the really principled people were on Trump, what you and me and you know a few other people right um so now that biden is just being such a horrible president i think it's actually going to push the overton window in our favor because people i, I know people who a year ago uh you know are saying things now there's no way they would have been saying them a year ago i mean it would, they would have been crazy talk so so i'm optimistic i guess yeah i think that's a fair point um i guess I guess I'm just not sure we're ready. Uh, you know, like I feel like I am and my, you know, the people I know closely are, but like for the most part, I don't think people are ready, man. I don't think people actually are prepared for any sort of secession movement. They may, I, I agree with you. They have started talking about it and I think that's progress, uh, particularly if it can be peaceful. I just don't know that, that people really understand the amount of tumult that they'll experience in that and, 
I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that people are really serious about this. I hope that people understand that you will not, you will not retain or retrieve your freedom unless you take some pretty extraordinary steps like dissolving the union. I mean, I really believe that's, that's the only option. Uh, Biden and his administration are, are so clearly dead set on the worst of the worst policymaking. And, and they're, I mean, they're printing us into oblivion. I don't know if you got a chance to watch his speech tonight, but he's floating a, another $4 trillion bill on top of everything else we've already done. I mean, it's just like, whoo, I'm nervous. <laughs> so, yeah, I hear you. But, uh, you know, like you and I, a year ago, when the $2.7 trillion bill went through under Trump, we were screaming about it. And most of the Republicans were just like, oh, you know, it's got to happen, you know, whatever. And then the same at Christmas. Now that Biden's doing it, now the Republicans are freaking out. So at least we've got some people who are aware. Um, and, and when it comes to secession, I don't actually think it'll happen. But I just think talking about secession pushes the Overton window in the right direction. You know, we're seeing states um, defy the federal government with the Second Amendment, for instance. You know, they're, they're becoming Second Amendment sanctuary states. I, I want to see more things like that happen. Maybe we can have like federal income tax sanctuary states next or something, you know, Ooh, like just now, going, so. now you're talking my language, brother. Let's do it. If you could give me some federal income tax sanctuary, I will be there. Um, yeah. So we, we talked about this on your show a little bit and I wanted to get back into it because we, we totally glossed over it. Um, I have, I have had a re- I don't know, reawakening or a reopening of myself towards religion simply because I'm not at all certain that you can make the sacrifices necessary to maintain liberty on a, a larger population of people if you don't have a belief in something bigger than yourself, a belief in something higher. And I don't necessarily mean God. Like for me, I feel like my religion is liberty and, and like I am willing to sacrifice all of myself for it. Most people don't have that. I hope that there's a lot more people that do have it than I suspect. But after the past year, I'm, I'm a little bit pessimistic on that front. So I'm just curious, do you think that, that we can actually get enough people on board without a belief in something higher, whatever that may be? So I think there should be a two-pronged approach. I don't think that or more than two, I should, I think there should be all sorts of approaches, you know, I mean, this is serious. So whatever way you can reach people, whatever way you can convince them that liberty is the most important thing, go for it. And, and I will agree with you that I, I mean, I consider liberty to be a higher power, if you will, you know, like, I mean, or something bigger and more important than my existence, I would sacrifice my life for liberty. Um, so I think that, you know, a lot of people view people who don't believe in God as kind of sadistic even, or at least nihilistic, you know, that they don't, they don't care about anything and they think it's all just pointless. Uh, that's really not true. I mean, there are a lot of libertarian atheists who care a lot about freedom and liberty and, you know, peace, and they, they oh, yeah. give everything up for it. Um, so, you know, I definitely have my message that I put out there. Um, I, what I do is um, I actually go hard after atheists who are statists. Like if you watch my videos that are about religion, my biggest, um, my, my biggest criticism is of the statheist because I think statism is a religion. 
Because how, how is it any different? You believe in some higher power that has the authority to take, um, you know, a, a percentage of your paycheck every month. They can tell you what to put in your body and they, you know, they, they tell you who your body ultimately belongs to. Uh, they have weird costumes and weird rituals that you're not allowed to question. They have these arbitrary commandments that you will be punished if you don't follow them. Uh, if you question any of the rules, then you are punished. You know, there's no, so like to me, it's, it's all, it's all so similar. So these atheists who, you know, don't like the church telling them what to do. They don't like, um, you know, the arbitrary commandments from whatever holy book it is, but then they just translate it over to the state instead. And then that's hundred percent fine. And I'm more forgiving of someone who believes in God because it's such a vague idea. And, you know, there, there's so many different possibilities out there, but if you're someone who believes in the state and you believe that the state is benevolent and that it's going to take care of you, you belong in an insane asylum, <laughs> you know, cause it's right in front of you, like what well, it's doing every day. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's totally true. And, and I think that, well, I think that the, the new atheism is now not just gravitating towards statism, but also towards scientism and, mm -hmm. And Rothbard actually wrote about this in Anatomy of the State, where they would use appeal to authority and, and the appeal to scientific expertise to be able to control the people. And I think that we have evolved into that next phase of statism where the, the appeal or the belief in the system got so degraded and so weak and so watered down that, that they have now shifted to relying on scientism. And obviously I don't see it as being any better than, than the original statism. I think it's just a variant of it. Um, Fauci being kind of the figurehead over the past 12 months that kind of embodied this, this idea. Are you, do you see it similar, similarly? Uh, yes. So, I mean, I guess what I'm against is this appeal for a higher power to tell you what to do in general, whether it's the state whether it's God, whether it's scientists, like I, I want people to question everything, you know, I mean, it's innate to libertarianism, you know, the idea of no rulers of, you know, the idea that we don't need someone telling us what to do in order to get along in order to live peacefully. Um, so whether it's Fauci or Yahweh or Biden, you know, like I, I want you to question why are you doing any of those things? Exactly. Because um, to me, all three is all three are religious. You know, it, uh, religious in the way I'm describing it basically means um, answers that can't be questioned instead of being fine with questions that can't be answered. So always be looking for the truth. Always be skeptical. You know, I don't think faith is a good thing, a blind faith. Like, I don't, I don't think it is. And uh, so, yeah, I think you have some people who use it for, you know, religious texts. And then you have other people who use it for, you know, climate change or uh, COVID-19. And then you have other people who rely on the state and they think that the state is the way to live peacefully and, you know, to keep people in line. Um, when Ron Paul in 2012 on the debate stage, when he said, you know, if we legalized heroin, do you think everyone would start shooting up tomorrow? And everyone was like, no, obviously not. You know, I think that extends to faith and it also extends to scientism. Like the idea that if we didn't have these systems oppressing us into 
uh, subjugation that we would somehow just turn into wild animals and start killing each other. I just don't buy it. I don't think it's true. So, well, I don't think I disagreed with anything you said there, except for pushing back against faith, because I think that you have faith. And I think I do too. I think we have faith that given free will and free choice and voluntary interaction, that it would be a better system than we see today. Is that, is that not a version of faith? Yeah. So I just used faith because, uh, let me, because we were taught religion was covering all three. So I was just using that to okay. apply to like religious faiths, I guess, but no, you're, I mean, you're right. I, I don't think that belief in something bigger than yourself is a bad thing. You know, I think we all look for that mm-hmm. and we've been given these different things, the state, these different religious texts or scientism. And we're told that those are the things that we're supposed to pursue instead of really being honest and really trying to find out what those things are, you know, like there, there's a discouragement from um, true in-depth discussion about these things. Like, I mean, you know, there's the, there's that old saying, you know, like you never talk about sex, religion, or politics um, at certain events because you, people are going to get angry. Like why? I mean, that's those are the should've... only things I want to talk about. <laughs> I know, right? Like those are the things we should be talking about. They're like the most important things in life. It's how life continues, you know. Like, um, so I, I, I'm about breaking down those barriers, and uh, you know, I, Twitter is not a good medium for thoughtful, in-depth, nuanced discussion. No. So you know, I made a post once about uh, how it's ironic that the people flying the sickle and hammer have never used a sickle or hammer before. So obviously that's a bit of a straw man. Like there are hardworking communists in this country, right? There are some, but it's to point at a a larger concept and get you to think. So I'll I'll make those about religion occasionally and people will just go after me like crazy. It's like, guys, it's Twitter. It's a little bit of hyperbole. It's, it's there to make you think about the broader concept. Like, I realize this doesn't apply to every single situation. If you want to know what I actually think, go watch my YouTube videos. So. <laughs> exactly. Get, get a much, much better detail if you can actually talk these ideas out, especially big ideas. And, and to your point about you know, people feeling like you shouldn't talk about religion or sex or any of these things that are taboo, um, I find them to be the most interesting topic. And as you said, the most important and, and ultimately the most complex in the ones that we should be discussing so that we can have some sort of consensus or at least at least understand each other better. I think it's all a product of having a very uh, conflict averse society, one that's unwilling to to risk anything. And, and I think that that's why our shows have kind of taken off is that I'm willing to ask the tough questions and I'm willing to to you know, put myself out there and risk being wrong, and I would rather I would rather we live that way. I would rather we actually risk something when we interact, interact because I think it it gives a much more fulfilling and full life. You just like you, if you don't ever talk about people's deepest beliefs, like how do you even know them? You know, like I, I really like to to get to the core of someone to understand how they how they function, what makes them tick. If, especially if you're going to be one of my closest friends or or a loved one or, or, or a significant other, it's like I need to understand you inside and out, and and I want you to feel the same way about me. I think it's a much more uh, gratifying way to live, and I think that a part of the reason we've had such a uptick in anxiety and depression and all these things is that we no longer know each other. You know, we we know each other through twe- tweets. Like that's. That's the extent of it. Or, or, you know, so, you know, your aunt through her Facebook rants, you know, like 
do you know these people? Like, do you really know them? I mean, you think you do because you get to see them every day saying some sort of nonsense online, but do you actually know them? And I think that that's part of the reason that we've been so disconnected and we've had such mental health crisis in this country is that we don't know each other anymore. Um, I don't even know if I have a point there, but any comments? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it also points to an intellectual weakness that you don't want to talk about your beliefs with somebody. Because so true. what that really means is you're afraid that someone who disagrees with you might make a good point that makes you question what you believe. Um, and, you know, I like I grew up you know, the Twitter page, Liberty Hangout, like, mm -hmm. that's what I grew up under, like that culture. I mean, that, that's not an exaggeration. Like it was super right wing, <laughs> super religious, like, uh, and my parent, by the way, my parents were great. Like my parents were not, uh, they weren't propagandizing us, but they were sending us to institutions that were propagandizing us. Like my right. parents were open-minded, but the places they were sending us were not. Um, <laughs> so I know this like I, I know this religion and I know this culture and I know these people inside and out. And I arrived where I am now by talking with people that disagreed with me. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how I ended up being a libertarian. That's how I ended up being an atheist. That's how I ended up, you know, knowing anything that I know it was by broadening my perspective and trying to see the world in a neutral light, you know, like we, we always, it seems like people always want to arrive at a desired conclusion, you know, so they, they sift through information, push stuff out of the way that doesn't line up with their desired, uh, their, their desired goal. Like th th that's what they really want to think instead of, so it's like, if you arrive at a crime scene and you know that your brother has been accused of the crime, like you're going to try to find everything you can to uh, prove that he didn't do it unless you hate him for some reason. But if you just show up at a random job site, I mean, a random crime site and they say <clears throat> who committed the crime and you're just trying to figure it out, then you're at a neutral standpoint. You're just taking the facts as they come. And, and people really need to start thinking that way. They need to start thinking, OK, what is true? What's going on here? I need to put my own propaganda bias aside and try to figure this out. Yeah, no, it's classic confirmation bias. That's exactly right. I mean, people people love to have their beliefs confirmed to them and they will seek that out. And I'm, I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody else. Well, not just as much, but I am also guilty of it. Um, it it's, it's very tempting to just see an article that, that aligns with your belief system and go, hey, look, I was right, you know, and as opposed to any other predictions right. or beliefs that I might've had wrong. So um, it's human nature, but I think it is important to, to learn from it. I, I want to pivot from the conversation about religion, because I think that it's an interesting tie-in to your push for unity. I think that that there is something to be said for the fact that you were raised with the, I think it was Christian belief to have the forgiveness and the lovingness and all that stuff that comes along with Christianity uh, and to be interested in unity. Do you see any similarities there? And if not, um, what, what was the benefit in pursuing unity in your perspective? Yeah, so um, having left the faith, um, you know, I, I have a lot of very fundamentalist relatives who still love me, and I still love them, and I still visit them and still talk to them. And they literally believe I'm going to burn for eternity because I just don't think the same things they do. And we can get over that. Like that, I mean, people don't think about this enough. That is worse than racism, like not liking somebody because of what race they are. Like the thought that 
this guy is going to burn in agony for trillions and trillions of years because he doesn't think the same believe in the same God with the same name I do. And, you know, whatever. Like, it's such a horrible concept, but we're able to still love each other and still joke with each other and still hang out with each other and not let it affect our personal relationship. Um, and my older sister, um, she had a girlfriend for a couple of years and that was really tough for her to like come out of the closet about that with not so much my extended family has had to go my older sister like we're we're a different deal but my cousins and my grandmother and my aunts and uncles you know they're still very fundamentalist so it, it was hard to get through some of that but we did and we still all love each other we still all get along Um, so when you see people tearing each other apart over cultural differences that they have or personal beliefs that are different, uh, while the state is doing everything that it's doing and destroying our lives and doesn't care what you think or what you believe, it doesn't care about your personal, uh, cultural differences. They're going to screw you over all the same. It's just like, guys, can we wake up and see the bigger picture here. Like you can vehemently disagree with someone else and you can even still argue about those things. Like I, I by no means I'm telling people to shut up and, you know, stop talking about controversial topics. Like, I think it's great. I do it all the time. Exactly. I just want people to realize the bigger picture and to yeah. stop turning this shit, you know, that that's what gets at me. Yeah, no, that that's, I'm in the same boat. I, I think that the only reason that I'm interested in any conflict within the LP is because there are some people that I believe are not dedicated towards furthering the cause of liberty. And those are the people that I am willing to clash with, you know, because the situation's so dire. 10 years ago, I didn't give a shit because I was like, this country is, you know, it's kind of on, it's on cruise control. I mean, it, it was still in bad shape and I didn't think it was going to last, but it wasn't like, like imminent doom around the bend. We have to fucking fix this right away. So when I saw that, then I then I got interested in actually fixing what I saw was a broken Libertarian Party. And and it's not that I I want to expel anybody. I could care less about expelling anybody. I simply want the vehicle itself to be messaging and and waking up the people the way that I, I would like to see it do that. And if I have to clash with people that have made a career out of being some little you know, cog in the wheel of the Libertarian Party, then so be it. It's nothing personal. I'm like, honestly, it's nothing personal. I, I do not care if I hurt your feelings. I don't care if you like me. I just need this thing to be educating people and yeah. warning people as rapidly as possible. Like that's my, that's all I care about. And I, and if I can do it without hurting your feelings, great, even better. Um, but if I have to hurt your feelings to get you out of the way, then I'll do that too. And it's, it's a, it's a tough position to be in because I'm pretty, I'm pretty, um, pacifist. You know, I don't, I don't want to fight. I don't really want to. And I, and I certainly don't want to demonize anybody that's like 80% of the way towards my belief system. Like that's the last thing I want to do. But if that 20% difference is preventing me from success, then I'm sorry, you know, we're going to clash. And I don't know. It's just, it's just a hard, it's a hard thing because the unity uh, moniker that you were running with early on, it seemed as if you were trying to tie in. And I think you've kind of shifted on this. I've heard you talk about it. So I, I know that you have actually, but um, I think early on you were trying to kind of tie back in the, the social justice type wing of the libertarian movement in with the Mises caucus folks. And, 
And while I am personally completely open towards equal treatment for gays and lesbians and trans trans uh, gender people, like that's all good by me. I my my concern is about the people that make that their focus. I think have have lost sight of the goal that maybe you and I have in mind. What do you think about that? Yeah. So um, I think the only thing that's really shifted has been the realization of who is who. I had Josh Smith on my show on Tuesday night and we were talking about this. Um, Unity movement was actually a huge exposure of bad actors because who was the first guy to pick up the torch? It was Dave Smith. Right. And the the guy who was supposed to be the enemy. (laughs) Right. And I mean, uh, David Fight was pretty skeptical of Dave Smith. Uh, I was a little bit more neutral and so was Jeremy Todd. But um, the three of us were just like, hey, let's see who wants to take part in this. And, you know, everyone was invited. Nick Sarwark, um, you know, everyone from the Audacious Caucus, whatever, like anyone who wants to get together on the big ticket items and big picture issues was welcome. And I will admit, I was surprised to see who has gone along with it and who has um turned it down not so much with Nick Sarwark I never really liked Nick Sarwark that much I mean, he was kind of obvious but uh people that were friends with me who have you know straight up like disowned me blocked me on Twitter you know gone after me attacked me uh, the same has happened especially to David Fight because he he's in the pragmatist caucus and he's friends with a lot of like the audacious caucus type people they have completely disowned him You know, they uh, especially after having Dave Smith on his show and saying that, you know, Dave, I think you're a great candidate for president. (laughs) Like that was the end of it. You know, like you're um, so I mean, there are tragic. There are some there are some like, you know, people who are way in on the social justice warrior stuff who are still good libertarians. Like, I don't mean to paint them all with a broad brush and say they all suck. But you are right that it tends to come from that vein of libertarian. Uh, they're the ones who are the first to viciously demonize anybody who doesn't put the same exact issues at the top that they do. Um, so I, I think that it's been a success, the unity thing. Like I couldn't be happier with how it's turned out. Like there are, I think, important figures from all areas are going along with it. And then the ones who have decided not to and decided to double down on the bullshit and the mudslinging and the demonizing of good faith people, uh, they've been exposed for who they are. And I, I couldn't be happier with how it's turned out, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a great point. And I think Archie ends up at the top of that list because I've reached out to that dude a half a dozen times. I mean, ha- another half a dozen has been vicious attacks by me, but the other half have been, hey, man, I'd love to have you on. We could chat, you know, like, hey, I'm sorry for, for saying the stuff I've said in the past. I, I would love to make amends and see if we can have some meeting of the minds motherfucker never, he never responds. He never, he never takes me up on it. I'm giving him a a platform that's bigger than anything he's going to get offered to him, especially now that he's been on part of the problem. Like he's not going to get another opportunity to talk to people that, that totally disagree with him and try and sway them and, and, and try to sway me because Archie could have totally like shifted his, his viewpoint on Dave after talking to him, but instead he talked to him, laughed, rubbed elbows, hugged it out and then went right back to Twitter to call him a fascist over and over again. And it's like, all right, well then I know who you are, man. Like at this point, I know who you are. Like you don't, you don't actually want to 
see any other perspective than your own. Like I am a hundred percent open to hearing Archie's perspective on anything he disagrees with me with because I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to talk to these people. And the same goes for anybody else. Brianna Coyle, any of these people are welcome to come on my show. I would love to talk to them. But the truth is they, they view the world the way the media has painted the narrative of there being this like this white supremacist uh, patriarchal, patriarchal society that is dominating our culture. And, and I am a product of that. That's how they view us, just to be honest. I, I really believe that. I think that they have bought into that lie. And I think it is a lie that we are this deeply racist, deeply homophobic, whatever society. And I, I just don't, I don't view the world that way. I, maybe it's just because I grew up in a different era. I grew up in the nineties where it seemed like we were, we had actually made tremendous progress on race relations. I had friends of all different colors and, and races and, and, uh, and religions. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's, it's a very different worldview. And I struggle to reach these people are in your, in your experience, have any of these people stuck with you or has it been basically everybody overboard? No, some of them have. Um, and they've also been kind of demonized by associate. See, I don't know if I'm a Nazi yet. Like I'm, I'm like, <laughs> Nazi. I'm like you, like we're Nazi adjacent. We're not quite there, you know, but um, yeah, the people who associate with me are still sometimes chastised a little bit for being so friendly with me. You know, it's really dumb. Um, I think that uh, I, I found that like the Justin Amash people are the the most reasonable ones, you know, like because they're they're not Mises, but they're not idiots either. You know, they're kind of <laughs> they're just like they're just not as radical as, you know, people like you and I are. They're, they're not quite right. there but they're, they're much less likely to go into the ad hominem attacks and just, you know, lose their minds uh, where it's, I find it ironic because I love Vermin Supreme and Spike. Like those guys are based as fuck. They're, they're awesome. And their followers are the ones that are like the stingiest, like angriest losers ever. And I'm just like, why don't you guys be more, can you imagine Vermin Supreme getting upset about someone misusing his pronouns or something like shut up. I mean that guy no that guy has been to like so many crazy protests and made fun of so many like high profile politicians like that guy lives to be politically incorrect and then you guys are you're just pathetic so like yeah. try to take some take something out of Vermin's book you know try to be more like him you're like the people that he's making fun of all the time it, it, I don't know it's crazy i don't think they i don't think they get the joke that that his campaigns have have highlighted is that you know and, and i think dave actually made a great point with, when talking about the quote-unquote loser brigade is like like you think you're gonna fight the biggest state in human history and you're gonna win when you're concerned with like e- you mis misnamed me you dead name me you mispronoun me it's like bro we're fighting the biggest state in human history like can we get some fucking priorities here can you can you toughen up a little bit we need you to be tougher like genuinely i need you to be tougher because if you're and, and same thing with i saw the loser brigade out in force today they were super upset because oh. because dave had gone on rogan and rogan had said something about how he doesn't think that young people necessarily need to get vaccinated which i think is a fair argument to be had you can have an opinion either way on it um but they're all they're all pissy because uh you know it's it's uh giving the libertarian party a black eye i'm like 
Do you know how many people just heard of the Libertarian Party for the first time in the past 24 hours? How could you possibly think that it's giving us a black eye? It's the first time they've even heard of you motherfuckers. They don't care about you. Like, and, and then they're upset because the cathedral turns around, writes a couple hit pieces. It's like, who gives a fuck? Do you think if we're going to take the power of the biggest government in history, one that, that basically has the capacity to print $20 trillion a year, and, and they're going to not fight us for it? That they're not going to just drag us through the mud, even if we were the best people on earth, if all of us were Jesus Christ incarnate, that they wouldn't destroy us as human beings. Of course they're going to. So I don't know. We just need to toughen up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> You're totally right. And I talked about this when I was on part of the problem with Dave. Um, you know, if I pretended to get outraged over some of the things he's said or that other people have said, I'd be the biggest hypocrite ever because, you know, I've been a blue collar worker my whole life. And the stuff you say on the job site, I mean, dude, I've said like the worst thing you can imagine. I've said worse than that because <laughs> you're, you're, you're having a horrible day and you hate everyone you're working with and right. you're tired and you want to go home. Like you need fucked up humor to get through <laughs> the day. I mean, like super fucked up. Um, and a lot, most Americans are like that. You know, most of them, like most most working people dude you get off the coast you get off the coast everybody's like that like that and even if you're on the coast like i i worked because i was handling the foreclosure renovations i worked with a bunch of hispanic guys that were you know they barely speak english i speak enough spanish to like understand what they're saying they say fucking crazy stuff to each other they're not they're not concerned with you calling them latin x are you out of your mind like it's just so delusional No, it's so funny because they're the the protected classes that we have to worry about or whatever. And yeah, I worked in uh, Denver, Colorado for six months on a roofing job. And there were Mexicans, there were like people from Africa, the Middle East, Asia. I mean, people from everywhere. There there were like the most racially insensitive jokes (laughs) you've ever heard in your life between them. Like I didn't laugh at some of them because I thought they'd like stab me and throw me off the roof or something like I was <laughs> and uh, I would you know my my white sister would hear about it and she'd be all horrified that it's happening and I was like oh yeah well why don't I you know why don't you fly out here and go on the roof and tell them they need to you know knock it off and I'm sure they'll listen to you <laughs> <laughs> well the thing the thing that that these like spoon like silver spoon in the mouth liberals from the coast don't get is that this is how they this is how they get to know if you're cool or not like this is how you you grow camaraderie amongst the working class like if you if you come at them and and they say something like if it's a hispanic guy saying some racist joke to some black dude on the site and then you swoop in as this like crazy white person and go hey that's not allowed you <laughs> like you can't talk to each other like that they'll be like oh you're a fucking narc like and and yeah. also you you got to keep in mind these people many of them are fucking first gen- generation immigrants you got to be tough as nails to be that. Like oftentimes yeah. you're, you're moving without your family. You're working, you know, 60 hour weeks. You're doing manual labor. You're a tough son of a bitch. So like, forget, forget all this emotional shit. Like you just gotta, you gotta treat these people like the, the fucking badasses they are. And, and I think that's a much more respectful way. That's the funny thing about it is like, I think it's so paternalistic and you, and you totally dehumanize and treat them like kids when you, when you pretend like you have to call them, something that they're that they don't even call themselves i mean it's just it's just such a disconnect from these people and and for the life of me i can't understand how the democrat party given that they are kind of the front runner of this movement don't lose them as a as a voting block like is that is that not surprise you 
Well, I don't know. The Republicans are just so bad towards That's those true. people. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Like, um, so I think that this that's another great place for libertarians to be good on policy and not be woke idiots in culture, you know, right. like treat them like normal people and tell them like, hey, we think the immigration system is fucked up. Like we don't support ICE coming and breaking your door down and kidnapping you, even though you've been here for 13 years and you have a kid and an American wife or whatever, you know. So it's another great opportunity for us to show that we are different in substance and these woke idiots just fuck it up because they just sound just like the Democrat party. And, you know, if you come with that same woke bullshit, they're probably not going to look any deeper. They're probably just going to think you're the same old, same old, you know, like you should be, I mean, libertarians should be leading with policy, you know, like they should, that's what they should be talking about the issues and like the government's fucking everything up, you know, like that is how we should talk about these things. And, um, we're missing an opportunity when we don't. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and not just leading with policy, but leading with what makes us different. Why are yeah. you not trying to differentiate yourself? Like you're trying to sway people from the duopoly, which we all hate. Even the people that fucking vote for the duopoly hate it. You're trying to d differentiate yourself from that. You have to stand out. You're not going to stand out by sounding like a woke leftist because they're just going to assume you're another paternalistic asshole who's going to do nothing for them because no one's done anything for them in decades. And if you're if you sound like you're a Republican, you're going to sound like a guy who wants to build the wall and and have harsh immigration policies and all this other stuff. So you you have to separate yourself. And and I think the the thing that was most frustrating about the past year is that we are so beautifully different. We really are. Like if you if you can actually convey how glorious our ideas are for these these particular groups of people, just convey it to them. But do it with passion and do it with love. Like you could actually sway some people. You could actually get them off of the duop duopoly teat and and change this shit. So, anyways, I don't want to go too too far down that path. Um, I did want to ask you, given how dire things are, are you a ride or die American that will? will stick this out to the bitter end or are you the type that would flee if it got too bad? I don't really know where I would go. Um, it's a fair question. <laughs> definitely, definitely not Canada. <laughs> no, no. That's not the place to go to. Um, you know, like, like we were talking in the beginning, I'm actually sort of optimistic uh, and it, it's been a recent optimism, but I, I think things are getting so bad that breakup is going to be a talk and maybe it won't be secession. Maybe it'll just be uh, states removing consent and, you know, sponsoring uh, defend the guard acts and, you know, becoming second amendment sanctuary states, stuff like that. I, I just don't think it can, can continue on this trajectory and you're seeing states open up like here in Utah, they opened up two weeks ago, like the mask there, there's still businesses wearing masks, but I haven't worn a mask in a couple of weeks and I haven't been asked to leave anywhere and it's no longer the law. I walked into the way station, uh, what this morning, uh, yesterday and but didn't wear a mask. No one said anything. So, I mean, it, it's just that type of stuff is blowing over. And I think that the, the government is becoming like creepily obvious, you know, they used to be better at hiding it, but now they're just like saying this, the quiet parts out loud, like that video that came out, 
um, I forget what her name is, but the woman talking about how we need to tie reopening policy to vaccination status. And like, if we give them back their freedoms, what's the carrot going to be for them to do what we want? You know, no one would have said anything that heinous a couple of years ago, you know, like that's just straight up, you know, authoritarian craziness that's just put on full display without any sort of cloaking at all. So um, I think they're getting sloppy and I think people are getting sick of it. So I, to answer your question, yeah, I, I, I guess I am a ride or die American. I mean, it could get so bad that I had to leave, I guess, but um, I, I don't think we're there yet. And, and, and I, I think we forget that the rest of the world is becoming just as authoritarian. Like we forget that this isn't just happening here. Like, I mean, Europe is terrifying to look at right now. It, it's worse. Um, you know, uh, like what happened in Australia was terrifying, you know, so um, I, don't, I don't think there's necessarily a safe haven for all of us to go to. Yeah, well, that's that's a reason for optimism and absolute horror simultaneously, because it's like it's optimistic because people that believe in freedom can't flee because there's really nowhere else better to go, which gives us a chance of actually prevailing in this fight. Um, but then it's also horrifying because like if we fail, freedom kind of dies on the planet. And that's also horrifying. So I don't know. It's a, it's a double-edged sword there. I, I'm, every day I wake up, I feel different. So I don't know. But uh, what, what would, and I know you've kind of, uh, you know, thrown your hat in the ring for either Amash or Dave, uh, but I'm curious, what would a Dave Smith presidential run mean to you? So I, I like Justin Amash. I think he's great. I think he would be the best presidential candidate we've ever had in the Libertarian Party. I also think that about Dave Smith. I don't know Justin Amash. I haven't had extensive conversations with him. I'm not friends with him. I am friends with Dave Smith. I think Dave is great. If Dave decides that he's going to run for president, I will support his run. Um, and I, I, I actually want both of them to run because I think if Dave sweeps the primary, because he will, if no other serious contender jumps in it'll be dave and then the same with amash if amash runs and no one no serious contender opposes him he'll sweep it i want a civil competitive race between two very qualified candidates and i want them to make each other better because i think amash has a couple traits that uh could influence dave to be better and then i think dave definitely has a couple traits that could influence amash to be better um, and then if someone like Vermin Supreme runs again, like he's not going to be able to just run as a joke, like he's going to have to be sort of serious. And um, I would recommend everyone to watch uh, uh, Dave's appearance on David Fight's show yesterday, Fight for Liberty. They talked about this in detail and it was very good. But um, I, I th- it's really discouraging to see the Dave people and the Amash people already like complaining about the other guy running. I mean, that's just so dumb. It's like, guys, why don't you just talk about why your candidate's going to be better. And I really do hope they both run and I hope they turn each other into better candidates. What I don't want to happen, and I don't think this will happen between Dave and Amash. I think they respect each other and I think they're grown up enough to run like very civil campaigns. I I just don't want to see like stupid mud slinging and, um, you know, just idiocy between both sides. So um, I think that would be a huge mistake if it ends up being that. I I don't think it will either. I think that, that really the, the difference between the two of them is going to be one of tactic and tact, you know, like right. Amash is going to be your more polished politician who delivers things in a, a more 
acceptable to the normie sort of way. Dave is obviously going to appeal to the radicals more. And I, I think that, you know, at that point, let the best man win. Uh, personally, I would like to see Vermin not run simply because no disrespect to him. I think that his his entire makeup over the past, you know, two runs that he did, I think he did two. Um, yeah. Was well, he's that... done seven or something. <laughs> but... Okay. Okay. Well, I've only yeah. been paying attention for a little, little while. So yeah. anyways, um, I just think the, the situation is so dire and it's so serious that you need someone who's really serious in this moment. And, and yeah. in fairness, I don't think that he could possibly beat Dave or, or Amash. So I don't think it's really an issue, but I would like to see the two juggernauts go head to head. I think Amash and Smith is like, that's what we want to see. But I meant, I meant more broadly, actually, I want to know what would that, what would that, that campaign be it, be it Smith or Amash for that matter. What would it mean for you in terms of like, does it reinforce your, faith that we have a chance of of prevailing does it does it provide are you just looking for them to be the mouthpiece that kind of warns people do you think that this this governmental structure and our debt and everything else is sustainable if if you get someone who's responsible in there and we can actually quote unquote save america what what is your perspective as to like what it would actually deliver to us so um i don't think either of them can win the presidency and i sure. think if i think if they did they would get JFK'd or impeached right away. <laughs> right. Either one of them. Because even though, like you said, they have different messaging, they have the same goal. And so once they get in there, if they started doing any of the stuff that we would want them to do, they would get disappeared real quickly. Um, so what I want to see um, from either of them, and I'll, I'll break it down. Like I think if Amash is the nominee, then it is going to be like more mainstream publicity that we're going to get. Because even last year when he jumped in for three weeks, like he was instantly on CNN, he was on MSNBC, he was on Bill Maher. So we'll get that publicity. If it's Dave, it's going to be the underground media and, you know, Joe Rogan, Dave Rubin, Steven Crowder, Jimmy Dore, those types of people. Um, I honestly don't know is which he, is the underground is the underground bigger than the above ground know. now? Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I don't I honestly don't know which one reaches more people. I, I, I feel like the underground is more effective for the type of people we want to reach. You know, I mean, I think that the mainstream media might reach higher numbers, but it's gonna fall more on deaf ears. Like if Jimmy Dore has Dave Smith on and then like even like I don't know, even Ben Shapiro would probably platform him, you know, like you would have millions of people hearing him talk. So um, th those are the two ways I think it would go. But um, I think whichever one of them it is that they should just be um, spreading that liberty message, getting it out there for people to hear. And I still am, I guess you could say a statist on like, state legislatures i think that getting people into state houses to remove consent from the federal government is what we got to do you know i'm not super optimistic about congress because unless we get a lot of people into the congress and the senate it's so dysfunctional that it's not going to make a difference like justin amash was a window into that all the stuff he posted on twitter about no what it was you know, so I'm not super optimistic about that, but I, I want to see state houses and even governorships taken over by libertarians by 2024, at least some of them. So that's what I would want to see, you know, with a mosh more mainstream with Dave more underground and just get that liberty message out there, advertise the shit out of the down ballot candidates and the, 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 I don't know, the, the plan we have for America. Yeah. So No, I think that's, 
That's true. And, and the only reason I lean towards Dave is simply because I think he'll reach more of the young people. And that's what we actually need. Because if you intend to have this, the culture change, you know, getting some 30 year deep Republican to vote for Dave Smith isn't probably going to change his heart and he's not going to be around long enough to actually make the, the fabric of society more freedom oriented. Whereas if you reach a couple million Marxist college students and you convert them into being Ron Paul type libertarians, that can change the world. Um, so that's, that's my hope with Dave's campaign. And, and I, I will do whatever I can to assist in that process. Cause I think it's absolutely vital. Um, so what's, what's next for you if, if trucking gets automated, bro, what are you going to do? Uh, I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about that. I think it's going to be more like airplanes, you know, like uh, you, you still have a pilot, but you can kind of put it on autopilot when you're on the interstate, but especially with what I do, we're so far <laughs> from being able to automate everything, you know, moving 210,000 pound loads. Oh, with- that's true. Yeah multi-piece trailers and oversight, you know, there's just no way. Um, but, you know, being a truck driver, this show is all I can do. I can't volunteer for the party. I can't make it. I didn't even make it to the Utah LP convention this year. Cause I was in California driving a, you know, an oversized load. So the show is all I can do right now. If this really starts taking off, like I would consider quitting trucking and getting into something else where I can be more of an influence, you know, whether that's running for some sort of local office, I I don't know what it would be, but I, uh, I have that thought in mind because I do think this is really important. And I, I, even though I'm optimistic, I still share the dread that you do if things go the other way that we could be fucked. So yeah, yeah. I'm all on board for saving this country if we can. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, um, so it, if you don't go that route, do you think that that trucking is like a, a long-term gig, long haul gig? I'll play on, on the industry or, or is this uh, just like a, a means to stockpile some, some cash? I don't know. It's the only job I've ever loved because I love traveling. I love driving truck. What I will say is I don't know if I would drive an automatic truck just because it's like, it's different than a car. You've got 18 gears and it's just like you are part of the machine. And when you're hauling loads as heavy as I am, you're shifting all the time, even on the interstate, because you're going down to like 10 miles per hour up hills sometimes. So right. like, I like being in sync with the machine. If they, if you couldn't get a manual anymore, that might change my opinion. But <laughs> if, uh, if things like stay as independent as they are for a long time, it's a great job because I get to travel around the country, get to move heavy equipment. And it's perfect for doing the podcasting stuff because I can listen to material all yeah. day long. You know, like you I get to do all your research via audible or via podcast yeah. catchers, you know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, every time I have a guest on, like I've just been listening to Tom Woods all week cause I'm having him on tomorrow night. Um, so it, it's great. Uh, the, just the way you can prepare for it. So, I mean, for the foreseeable future, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to stick with it. Love it, man. Well, uh, that was my next question, but you already answered it. And I already knew the answer. But uh, so you have Tom Woods tomorrow night. Are you are you nervous? Are you pumped? How are you feeling? I don't know. Like, it's weird. Tom Woods brought so many people into the Liberty Movement, and he didn't bring me in. So, like, it's not like it's <laughs> I'm weird. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. It's weird because he's a big figure, but I'm not like fangirling at the same time you know like it but i mean i don't know if he's like a bigger figure than dave smith i feel like 
it's weird because Dave is more active online. I feel like more people know who Tom Woods is though. So it's like a weird, I don't know. I don't know. Like this might be my biggest guest I've had. Um, but I, I stopped preparing questions like three months ago. Like I, I used to kind of write out what I'm going to, and then after I started like talking with Dave and Pete and uh, you know, just Carrie and like all these like high profile libertarian people, like I, I just, through the questions out and I, um, there's, there's been, uh, like when I went on with Dave, um, he didn't tell me at all what we were going to talk about. I'm sure it's the same with you when you went on part of the problem and we just sat down, we had a great conversation and it was all organic. And I want all my shows to be like that. You know, like I, I don't really, I, I sometimes try to think about like, what do I want the main subject to kind of be about, but I don't do any bullet list questions anymore. I just kind of go for it. And yeah, I think I, it's gotten better since then, actually. I agree. I, I think that that's, uh, if you're, if you're capable of it, if you're the type of person that is so well-read, you can actually handle a conversation no matter what direction it goes or not well-read, but you know, just on top of shit. Um, yeah. it's a much, it's a much more free flowing conversation. People, people can feel the organic nature of it. It feels more like you're listening in on a phone call. And, and I, I like shows like that. I think that, you know, I got into podcasting. I was inspired originally back in 2010 by Joe Rogan. So obviously he does three hours that is very unscripted and very um ad-libbed and and I, I just think it's a it's obviously there's a lot of success going that that way so i'm glad to hear that you're doing that i i still will come up with like five words for prompts just in case like in the middle of the conversation i forget like what is, what was that other thing i wanted to talk about but like in terms of actual notes i'm the same way it's it's extraordinarily limited um so besides tom do you have anybody else that's lined up that's big that you'd like to talk about so I'm working on, these are just possible right now, but I'm working on Peter Schiff and Mike Rowe from the Dirty Jobs uh, nice. show. So I've got people who know how to get to both of them that I'm working on. So um, everyone who's watching Go Annoy, uh, Peter Schiff and <laughs> Mike Rowe, tell them to come on my show. Uh, <laughs> include include only, me in that harassment, please. <laughs> <laughs> the only guy that I have definitely cemented in that's kind of big is Shane Hazel. He's coming on yep. next week. Um, and I, Justin Amash has said he'll come on my show. That was like three months ago and I'm still trying to work that out. And then Tulsi Gabbard has also said she's going to come on my show, but I, uh, people are asking me like, when's Tulsi coming on? When's Tulsi coming on? And I did work her on her campaign and I know her. So, you know, there's a little bit closer of a connection there, but Steven Crowder has like 4 million subscribers or something. And she got, uh, she agreed to go on his show and it took him like six months to finally get her to appear. So I've got just over 4,000 subscribers. So it could be like next summer by the time she comes <laughs> on, but she said she will. So, you know, that, that's going to be cool. That's definitely the biggest name that I've ever had. And uh, it's weird. Cause I mean, I know her. So in some ways it's not big because I've already had conversations with her, but having her on the show will be huge. So uh yeah, I will so, let everyone know when that finally materializes and when it's going to happen. I'm, I'm in the same camp with the big names. I, Eric July and Maj Ture have both told me that they will come on. And then I have reached out to schedule and I have gotten nothing. So I'm hoping that they will, they will both lock it in at some point. Um, I think that we would have a tremendous conversation. They are in my intro music for God's sake. So they have to appreciate that. Uh, so we'll see. Anyways, uh, this is Reed Coverdale. You can follow him on Twitter at Reed Coverdale and The Naturalist Capitalist on YouTube. Is there any other links you'd like to tell people about? 
Uh, yeah, just check out Free Speech Media on Facebook. It's a group that I've recently become a part of. Uh, just a bunch of young libertarians trying to get content out there. We've, uh, you know, they, they've had a lot of the same guests that I have. Um, and yeah, thank you, Clint, for having me on. I'm, I'm a big fan of your show. I, I, I kind of look at us uh, as uh, fellow tra travelers, if you will, because we've uh, we started our show at like the same time and oh, we've totally. had a lot of the same people on and it's been it's been fun to watch each other grow. So Ex thank you. Exactly, man. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And and I think it's uh, it's a fun I wouldn't say it's a rivalry. It's like, it's like, uh, I don't know, like a mutual. I don't yeah, know. we're super. I mean, we're always like retweeting each other's stuff, trying to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, it's like a friendly competition, you know. I mean, it, it's fun. I like it. Yeah, me too. Me too. And, and I'm, I'm very happy to see your success. I think that it's, it's really important that we get more people out there that are, are uh, talking that liberty shit, as Dave says. So I, yeah. I'm appreciative of you, and I'm appreciative of you coming on. So thank you again, Reed. Absolutely. All right, brother. Talk soon. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. World premiere. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood lefties lyrical fappening. A typo with Luke might bring the nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcast sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic to rip a 59 Miles to Ray showed that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping ain't rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show.